What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for kicking off your week with us. This is your Monday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. This is a Sports Ethos presentation, and I am your host, Joe Orico. You can hit me up over on Twitter, at JoeOrico99, and also at EthosFantasyBB. Those are the two accounts where all of our baseball content gets posted out from. I'm currently just about finished my rankings for next year. I'm just in the top 50 because it's still very, very early. Uh, I've ranked them. I'm just working on the player write-ups. They'll be out later today or tomorrow. So there's still content coming out throughout the offseason here. Specifically, go ahead and follow EthosFantasyBB. That is the account where it will mostly be posted out from. I'll try and share stuff from my own account as well. But these shows, uh, podcasts, articles, everything, I'm going to start putting them all on EthosFantasyBB. I've been sharing them out on my own account, but they're going to start to go out from over there just to get you guys more familiar uh, with, with Ethos Fantasy BB. So go ahead, throw it a follow if you haven't already, and send me a message if you are interested in coming aboard Sports Ethos. We're hiring more people every day here. We've already brought on five or six baseball writers throughout this offseason who are going to be producing content heading up into next season. I mean, there'll be some offseason content, some ramp up in the preseason, and then in-season content for next year. If you're interested in doing something like that, please do send me a DM or at Dan Bespris. He's also a good person to reach out to. I don't want to take up too much time with promo stuff, though. I do want to get into the actual meat today. And we're going to finish up second base. We've already done most of it, so it's not going to be... I mean, we're still going to talk about That'll be the main focus here. I'm going to look back on some of the playoff stuff that happened this weekend, and then we'll wrap up second base. But we've pretty much gone over what we need to talk about for second base. I put out a thread uh, last week on Twitter just talking about the different strategies, the different players that had value from where they were drafted. Uh, you guys can go ahead and check that out. I think it was last Wednesday or Thursday I tweeted it out. And those shows uh, from last Thursday and Friday are really just all about second base. So if you did miss and you're just, you know, you missed those ones, you're wondering why I'm going to start off today with, you know, I'm going to probably start off with Jorge Polanco today. You're going to wonder why. It's because there's been a couple of shows from last week. But let's talk briefly here about the playoffs, about what happened over the course of the weekend. Now, I heard more complaining this weekend from fan bases than maybe, maybe not ever, but in a long time, I haven't heard so much complaining. There was an awful article, just a god-awful, embarrassing article I believe it was the L.A. Times, or I, I got, I'm not even sure. It was one of those Los Angeles newspapers. It was an opinion piece about why they should award the championship to the team that wins the regular season. It's just not what, what goes on here. It's, it was such a ridiculous sentiment put into that article. I'm surprised they even put somebody's name on it. I'm not sure whose name was on it. I mean, you figure if they're going to put out something like that, it would say, you know, staff piece or some some shit like that, so no one actually has to take the blame for that because – it's just ridiculous, right? Every year we see teams that get upset. Last year the Giants won like 107, 108 games, and they were bounced early. It happens. It happens every year. Very rarely in baseball does the best team win the World Series. <clears throat> We've talked about this. Everybody talks about this. If you go back and look at World Series winners, it doesn't really correlate much with the team that comes first in baseball. There's just too many variables. Now, where I will somewhat agree with the general sentiment here, and maybe this isn't something that's even talked about so much, is I think that too many teams make the playoffs. When my dad was growing up, there was like four teams that made the playoffs. When I was growing up, it was like eight teams, and now it's 12. It's like we're diluting the quality of the product in the postseason by having teams who are maybe not quite as good get in. And then, I mean, kudos to these teams, the Phillies and the Padres, it's it's no small task to take you know hundred win teams out over the course of a five win or a five game series. It's not nothing. You know some people will say it's luck, it's random, and there is certainly an element of that. I mean, if you throw the Athletics in a three game series against the Dodgers, 
It's not likely, but maybe they win two out of three. Maybe they win three out of five. It is possible. It, things like that do happen. And when you put teams who are slightly lesser into the bunch, teams who finish lower in the standings, I think that it does kind of lower the product as a whole. Now, the league makes more money. There's more games. There's more revenue to go around. People buy more jerseys and buy more beers and more hot dogs and everything else. It's, it's all fun for, for Major League Baseball and even for the teams making the playoffs. I'm sure, you know, even Toronto, who didn't have a deep run in the playoffs, those two games... I'm not sure what kind of revenue they would have made, but I saw something that said the Padres made like $14 million in ticket sales the other day from one game. Uh, so that, you know, they're doing all right here in these playoff um, in terms of the revenue they're making. Now, in terms of the actual product of baseball that we're seeing, it's good. It's fine. Uh, there's nothing like, you know, egregiously bad. There's some, maybe some questionable managerial decisions with pinch hitting and bullpens and whatnot, but that's, that's nothing out of the ordinary here. I just think that we should probably not have so many teams make the playoffs. And I know a lot of people like having more teams make the playoffs. You get a chance to see your own team. And my Blue Jays were, you know, I mean, the Jays would have made the playoffs in the old format this year because they were first in the wild card. But I don't particularly enjoy seeing, you know, it's not bad necessarily, but an 86-win Tampa team, yeah, I mean – it just doesn't do a hell of a lot for me. Even Phillies, 87 wins. Padres, 89 wins. Congratulations for them for getting here and for beating good teams. But should they be here in the first place, I guess, is where I'm coming from. I'd like it to be more of kind of a shorter playoff format, which I know there's there's so many different ways to look at this. Um, some people like a shorter playoff format with less teams, a longer playoff format with more teams. I I just think that there are too many teams in the playoffs at this point. And seeing it this year... It hasn't been bad. It hasn't been hard to watch. It's been fun. But you've also had fallout of that being like, you know, the defending champion Braves playing every game at 2 o'clock. It's kind of weird. It's kind of stupid. Baseball naturally sure is played during the day. But I think playoff baseball should be more during the night. Maybe you have a game at 4 and a game at 7 or a game at 7 or a game at 10. Uh, we're talking Eastern, Eastern uh, times there. I just I'm not really sold on this format as a whole, and I wonder if the Yankees lose tonight, if they'll just scrap it. Uh, I, maybe maybe that's going a little too extreme. Maybe they won't, but maybe they see you know the Mets, the Dodgers, the Cardinals, the Blue Jays, the Yankees, all these teams that they wanted to see in the championship series and beyond, all gone. I mean, the only team that was excellent this year that's actually sustained that into the playoffs really was the Astros. The Astros won 106 games, and now they're just sitting there waiting for their championship series opponent. I'm very conflicted on this one. I, I, I like more baseball. I like more people watching baseball. I like there being more attention on the game. But I'm also not a big fan of having 12 teams make the playoffs. I just think the more teams that make the playoffs, the, the less fun it generally is. It should be more of an elite group. That is where I stand on it. I think if we keep going, we're going to get to where the NBA and the NHL are where you have more than half the teams make the playoffs. And it's like, no, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of those formats. Even the NFL added a playoff team last year or the year before. I can't remember now. Enough, enough, enough with the expanding stuff. Just leave it as it is. Certain things from the past need to change. Yes, playoff formats, I'm, I'm not so sold that we need to desperately revamp these formats consistently. And that's not even just because these top teams have lost. I'm just not a big fan of having more playoff teams in any sport. I think the fewer teams make it, it's more elite to actually get there. Sure, you might have more tanking, but the teams that are in there, it's a higher level of product. I don't know. Maybe you guys completely disagree. Maybe some of you agree. 
I'm going to wrap up my bitching and moaning session there, and we'll start talking about some actual fantasy stuff. But very excited to see what happens with the Yankees and Guardians tonight. That should be a lot of fun. And I did hear, actually, just as one last note, that there was some delay with the Yankee plane from Cleveland. Uh, they had to, like, deboard the plane. There was some electronic problem, and they had to be delayed by a couple hours. So maybe the league wants to well, – I guess they can't really push it back to tomorrow. I don't know what they're going to do. Who knows? Maybe the Yankees will make a stink and get a push back an hour or two. I'm not really sure what's going to happen. But I heard there were some problems. They were stuck in Cleveland, so that'll be something that's kind of interesting to monitor today. But we're going to continue with second base. We're going to wrap up second base. I was debating even doing this show at the end of last week if we needed a third second base show. But I got kind of specific over the la- over Thursday and Friday in terms of the guys I was talking about. I would go into five-plus-minute rants on each guy. And there's a couple of players still that we haven't touched on that I would like to, but namely Jorge Polanco, uh, Cattell Marte, uh, Max Muncy. I'm, I'm not going to focus so much anymore on just second basements specifically, which is what I did last week. I was ignoring uh, second position kind of guys, guys who played, you know, Trey Turners of the world for second base and your, you know, Javi Baez kind of thing. I was looking at guys who were actually second basemen who played second base the majority of the year. For what it's worth, I don't know. I just like to break it down like that as we head into next season. Uh, eligibilities will be slightly changed, so I don't know. I like to break it down position by position, but really, really, truly position by position. Here, we're going to open it up a little bit more, and we'll just generally talk about guys who are eligible at second, not necessarily that they play second all the time, but they're just uh, eligible, available there. And we'll start off with Jorge Polanco. Now, Jorge Polanco, he was a disappointment, right? Even with the injuries... You have to classify it as a disappointment. 375 at-bats, which is not nothing. It's not a lot of at-bats, um, but it's it's enough. His his stat line was really not good. And I know there's been some injuries in there, but in 104 games, 16 homers, 56 RBIs, and a 235 batting average, only three steals. That was also re- – everything was hugely disappointing for Jorge Polanco this year. Home runs way down, RBIs way down, steals way down, average way down. Uh, runs way down. Runs went from 97 to 54. Really disappointing for Polanco. Now, he played 97 games at second, and he played six games at short. So he will still have shortstop eligibility next season. I think on the NFBC, you need to have 10 games. So maybe he's just second over there on the NFBC. But I think on Yahoo, it's just five games you need to have at a position. I believe it's five starts or 10 appearances, actually. So well, I'm pretty sure that Jorge Polanco will still carry shortstop in uh, to next season. There's, I'm not sure if they tinker with that year in, year in, and yeah, Jesus, if they tinker with that year in and year out, if that's something that they're going to change, uh, how many games you need to play, if that'll you know alter in the offseason. But right now, I believe Polanco will be eligible at second and at short. That's fine. Now, last year in the NFBC, he was a top 100 draft pick, 77th overall. I don't know about that one for next year. In fact, I know I know that it's not going to be happening. For sure, we're not going to see him get drafted that high up. Yeah. Now, where I'm not honestly sure for uh, for Jorge Polanco. He was 94th on Yahoo. He's not going to be in the top 100. I mean, I certainly wouldn't take him in the top 100. I'm thinking probably closer to 150 for Jorge Polanco. Like the Correa's leaving. I don't have that much faith in the team, even with Correa there. I don't think Correa's all that really offensively. They were a good offensive team, but I mean, they're 14th in runs, 11th in hits, 12th in uh, batting average, 9th in on base. They're closer to average than to good. Losing Correa, not sure that's going to really benefit Polanco in any way here offensively. He's not going to be somebody that I'm really highly targeting next season, I'll tell you that. Like, I, I don't think that it's all bad news for him here. 
But you get a guy who's 28 years old, and he just took a, a, a serious step back here. I know there's injuries, but we saw what he did last year was, I don't know, not really what he had done in his career so far. He'd never had more than 22 home runs. He had 33 Never driven in more than 79. He drove in 98. Now, the steals, he did have 13 back in 2017. Last year, he had 11. Now, falling down to three, that is a concern for sure. Can he bounce back up a little bit? Maybe. But he's not somebody that I'm going to be reaching to draft at all next year. He'll have to be somebody. I'm thinking 150 is the earliest I would really want to take a bite on Polanco. Maybe he bounces back. He gives you a season like he did in 21 where he was, you know, a top 50, top 70 kind of fantasy player. Right now, I'm not so uh, confident that we can see that come up again. And one thing I'll say here, if you guys did miss the previous um, couple of second base shows or any of my position shows, this is not the time of the year when I'm digging deep into advanced stats. This is still kind of our wind-down, relax time. We're just looking broad, broad uh, scope here in terms of these players. Generally, what I'm thinking, where they were drafted last year, where I think they'll be drafted next year, what I'm generally expecting. This will not be a time to break down hard hit percentages, WRC plus, walk percentages, and all the rest of it, and ground balls. And there's just there's too much time in the offseason for, for so much advanced information every single day. Right now, this first month or so of the offseason is going to be kind of a relaxed wind down. So maybe this is the first time you listen to the show. You heard me talk about Polanco there. I didn't really mention any advanced stats. That's kind of what we've just been doing right now. This is more just... You know, we don't need to worry so much. Maybe you're doing drafts already for next season. Most people aren't just kind of taking it easy here, digesting a little bit of information. And I don't want to be too, too uh, data heavy right now. So if you're wondering why are there not advanced stats being thrown out there, that is the reasoning for it. Let's talk about the next guy I wanted to mention. That's Cattell Marte. Now, he was the 78th pick over on the NFBC this year, which is kind of crazy to me. He was that high. And 88th over on Yahoo. I'm not big on him. I'm not... I really don't know how to feel about Marte because he can really give you a great season. I mean, is he going to give you 2019 again? No. We talked about 2019, about how that was an unrealistic season. It was a complete outlier. He could have legitimately been the MVP in 2019. He had 32 homers, 92 RBIs. He batted 329. He stole 10 bases. He was fourth in voting. That was a huge outlier for him that we've never really seen him come close to. Uh, 32 homers that year, his high in any other season is 14. He had 92 RBIs that year, a high in any other season was 59. And also those 10 steals. I mean, he had 11 in 2016 with Seattle. But he's not a big base stealer. He's not a big power guy. He's not a big average guy anymore. I mean, maybe he can be, but this year was, was pretty bad for the batting average, 240. He's a 280 guy for the career, so maybe he rebounds a little bit. And, you know, I just said I wasn't going to do any advanced stat kind of work. But let me just take a look at his BABIP over on Fangraphs. Did he have some BABIP luck? 276. It wasn't terrible. It wasn't, it's not something that you can look at and say this is why he didn't do well. Um, I, I'm not going to be so, so in on Marte. If you look at where he played last year, it was 94 times at second, and it was 38 times as a designated hitter. So he'll still have second base eligibility. But that outfield eligibility will be gone. <clears throat> yeah, I believe uh, he did not play the outfield one time this year. That's kind of surprising. I would have thought he would have once or twice. So you can look at just having second base eligibility with Marte next year. <clears throat> Excuse me, guys. And I'm thinking that that uh, 78, 88 kind of ADP is not going to be anywhere near what it's going to be. Probably we're looking at something similar to Polanco, maybe even a little bit lower. Polanco did have a more recent exceptional season. Whereas with Marte, it's been a couple of years. I know in la last year he was pretty good, Marte. 
uh, in his 90 games. He batted 318, uh, decent home runs. But this year, this was the first time he'd played, you know, more than 130 games going back to that 2019 season. Can't really hold it against him because of the lock or the lockout. Lockout and pandemic in my head mean the same thing sometimes. The pandemic shortened season. Last year he was injured. He only played 90 games. There's a lot of different things to worry about with Marte, and not so much with injuries, just in terms of the actual production. It's not that great for fantasy. Really not. Maybe he gives you, you know, 15 home runs, seven steals, and he bats 260. That's replacement level kind of stuff. So if he's going, you know, 150, 170, and beyond, then I'll. I'll take a flyer maybe in some leagues. But, you know, it's not going to be very attractive to want to have Marte on your teams next year, specifically losing that eligibility. Now, I have talked about how eligibility can be kind of overblown in fantasy baseball a little bit for the most part. You know, you're starting the guys in those same positions every week. If you have Alonzo, he's your first baseman. If you have Altuve, he's your second baseman, and so on and so forth. It's still helpful. I think it can be overblown a little bit, but he will lose that second position that he's had. In the past, we've seen him eligible at short, uh, second, and in the outfield. And now we're just looking at second base with less production than what we've been accustomed to. So Catal Marte is not somebody that I'm going to be particularly interested in drafting next year. He'd have to go pretty far down the board for me to want to take a jump on him. Next guy we're going to talk about here is Max Muncy. And this is an ugly one, guys. I think you already know this is going to be a little bit ugly. 21 homers, 69 runs, 69 RBIs. And he's still walking 16% of the time. The problem here with Max Muncy was that he batted 196. Awful stuff. Now, he had a horrible BABIP this year. Some people have already pointed that out. Maybe you you know, don't take this season to heart in terms of the production. But once a guy turns the corner and he's 30, he's in his 30s, I tend to not have so much patience with him. And now 32-year-old Muncy after this season, maybe that's unfair of me to just say once a guy turns 30, it's not a blanket statement, but a guy turns 30 and then this kind of thing happens. It's, it's ugly. Now, like I said, the BABIP was low. Can it rebound? Sure. That lineup is ridiculous. Like I know that they just got bounced and they had some troubles in the playoffs, but for fantasy purposes, we don't care about the playoffs. They're an incredible team. They just won 111 games. Like their offense was, they had one of the best, um, run differentials in history. They were incredible. So Max Muncy being in that lineup, even if he's playing 130, 120 games, you figured there is some chance for him to bounce back. And I think, yeah, but I mean, it depends on the price. That It'll really all depend on the price. This last year, 130th uh, over on the NFBC and over on Yahoo, 107. He falls down from there. We're, we're talking a little bit, but as of right now, I don't know. I'm sure he will fall a little bit, but let's say he's going even, you know, 10, 20 picks later than that. Specifically on Yahoo, 107. He's going to have to fall 50-plus picks for me to really be interested here. In terms of the eligibility, um, he played only three times at first base this year, so I think first base will be gone. Um, Second, 31 times. um, Third, 84 times. So those should stay the same. But losing first base, it's not a a huge deal, but definitely not not a positive. I'm going to be pretty cautious about drafting him next year, and I honestly think it's going to have to be close to pick 200 for me to really be interested. I think he'll bounce back. I don't think he'll bat like 196, but I don't think we're going to see great production. Uh, And even the production that we've seen from him, even in the years where he's been really good, he's been like a three-category guy, a really solid three-category guy with runs, RBIs, and homers. But, you know, uh, to use such a high draft pick on him... 
I'm not going to be doing it. As of right now, maybe things will change. Maybe he'll look fantastic in the offseason and crush in spring training. But right now, I think we've got to drop him down from last year, like at least 50 spots, at, at the very least 50, if not more. I think around 200 would be where I'd want to start taking a chance. <clears throat> not that I'd be you know, so interested, but I think if you get to that range, you need somebody who can play middle infield or even corner infield because you're going to have second and third. And that is that is valuable, you know, despite all my all my hating on positional eligibility this last week. It's still valuable. It's still very valuable. So he's not someone that was going to be off the draft board, do not draft kind of thing, but it's going to have to be a, a really, really steep discount compared to what we saw this year. NFBC might be a little bit easier because he's going farther down the board. But if Yahoo players don't correct that and you know start drafting him 150 or later, I think it's going to be kind of ugly. I, I don't think it's going to be great stuff there. <clears throat> Let's talk about Colton Wong. Not too long I want to spend on Colton Wong, but the guy honestly had a really good season and it fell under the radar. A top 200 season, which I know doesn't sound the sexiest, and my brain is transitioning into fantasy basketball. And to hear that top 200 season, it's not very good. But if you're talking about straight up, you know, your standard 10-team, 12-team, whatever fantasy baseball team, uh, a top 200 player, for the most part, warrants your consideration. And if you look at what Wong did for the season, he was excellent. He really was excellent. 65 runs, 15 homers, 47 RBIs, 17 steals, and a 251 batting average. Now, some of you might say that's not really excellent, but 15 home runs and 17 stolen bases out of a guy who... God, he was not being drafted very high at all this year, Colton Wong. I'm trying to find his ADP, just scrolling down, scrolling down here, and I, God, it's got to be pretty low. I do not see where Colton Wong was being drafted on NFBC. Oh, here it is. It's 193. It's actually not as bad as I thought it was. 193 on the NFBC, and over on Yahoo, Colton Wong was going uh, 240. Wow, 240. I'd expect him to go a little bit higher than that, but he finished right around where he was drafted, uh, considering NFBC draft ranks, 193, 196, right in there. Next year, I'm going to be probably, you know, I'm going to have a lot more shares of Colton Wong than I would expect to have, just because we're going to get to that point probably 200 or later in drafts, and you got a guy who can give you 10 or 15 home runs, 10 or 15 steals. And, you know, it's probably not likely, but could he potentially give you a 2020 season? Maybe. Maybe I'm pushing my luck a little bit there with Colton Wong. But I think it's possible. I mean, this year, he's hit 20 steals in the past, and this was the most home runs he'd ever hit in 15. He plays, let's say, 140 games next year, 145 games. Maybe we could see him get there. I think that he's going to be someone who's not talked about very much at all, and he's not a sexy player. You know, I use that term here, sexy stats, sexy player. He's not any of those things. I mean, the steals are very nice. Maybe if people are looking specifically at the steal column, they'll say Colton Wong was kind of an undervalued source of steals this year. But I think for the most part, you're going to be able to get him as your last pick, last two picks in your draft. And I think he's going to return pretty solid value. Not that the Brewers are amazing or anything, but two years in Milwaukee for him, pretty similar kind of stat lines here. 14 home runs, then 15 home runs, 12 steals, then 17 steals. 272 average, 251 average. We know, we know generally who Colton Wong is at this point in his career. His, his skill set kind of doesn't really change too much year in year. Assuming he's playing 120, 130 games like he did this year, I think that he should be a pretty decent little sleeper going late in drafts next year. I added him up in a couple of leagues this year, and you know there were some leagues where I had him for a little while and then dropped him. There was one league where I had him the whole year, which was a 15-teamer. 
it obviously varies by league size, but I think if you're talking a standard 12-team league, uh, you're getting down to pick 210, 220, whatever it is, your last two, three, four picks. Colton Wong will probably be sitting there, and there's probably not going to be many guys who have that kind of, not necessarily even upside for a guy who's like 32 years old, but the production that he can bring you from the draft slot is excellent. So Colton Wong, we're definitely going to be keeping an eye on him heading into next year. Let's talk about Gene Segura a little bit. I really like Gene Segura. I like them. I've liked him for a long time, really. And this year, he didn't have a lot of at-bats, but he produced when he got them. 45 runs, 10 homers, 33 RBIs, 13 steals, and a 277 batting average in 354 at-bats for Gene Segura. He was the 200th pick over on the NFBC. And over on Yahoo, he was 211. Totally fine. Now, in terms of where he finished the season for total rankings, 391. Can't really look at that so accurately because he only played in 98 games. But what he did when he was out there was excellent. Is it old Gene Segura from five, seven years ago? No, but it's still a quality production. Good batting average. Second base is not the greatest position. We've talked about that quite a bit. You're getting some home runs. You're getting production kind of just a little bit sprinkling everywhere. And he's another guy who's not going to cost you so much heading into next season. So, I mean, if you can get Segura... Probably around pick 200 or so, I think that would make a lot of sense. Not the youngest guy in the world, 32 years old, or is he 33 years old now? Uh, no, he's 32. He'll be 33 just before the season starts uh, in March March 17th. He'll turn 33. But what he does, just you know, 10 to 12 home runs, 10 to 12 steals. It used to be a lot more steals, but I think we can bank on 10 or 12 to go along with a 270, 280 batting average. I think that that can be pretty damn useful. You're talking, you know, again, your last couple of picks, I don't think he'll go up too high. In a very good lineup in Philadelphia as well. I mean, Nick Castellanos next season should be better. We'll have a whole year of Bryce Harper, hopefully. Although that one is definitely a little bit dicey to predict with Bryce Harper. I like I like Segura quite a bit here. I think we, we've seen him in Philadelphia for the last four years. We know generally what he's going to do. And I don't think that there's a lot of risk with it. Specifically because it's not going to cost you a high draft pick whatsoever. 200-ish plus. Most of those guys are getting dropped anyway. If you can find a guy like Segura, like a Colton Wong, who has the potential to stay on your team all year, then you're really cooking with gas. And it's a difference with head-to-head versus Roto. I think you have a, a shorter leash with head-to-head. You have a couple of weeks where a guy is not really helping you and you cut him. It happens, sure. Uh, with these kind of guys, they're not players where you're going to see huge week-to-week numbers. Like, oh, Segura had three home runs and four steals this week and he batted 400. It might happen once or twice or something, but it's not likely. These are kind of guys you just have to hold for the whole year, most of the year. You bank their production, specifically in a roto format. It really makes a lot of sense. And then it, over the course of time, it ends up paying off. It might not look like it week to week with a guy like Wong. You know, maybe he goes two for 12 one week with two runs and an RBI, and you're thinking, Jesus, Murphy. Like, there's probably someone better out there. It all depends on your build, right? If your build is early second base and you've picked Jose Altuve, then pretty much none of this stuff really matters, right? If you're ignoring second base like I'm going to do in a lot of leagues and you're going to go for an Albies or a Chisholm, someone who was injured and their draft price will be a little bit lower, or maybe you're just going to wait altogether and get one of these guys like a Wong, like a Segura, like Adam Frazier, someone who's not really being talked about, Tony Kemp, <clears throat> somebody who will be 200-plus on the draft board and you know, will just fill in a spot for you. They're warm bodies who will get playing time. So maybe that's all you need out of your second base slot. Maybe you're going to just go hard, at first and third in the outfield, and then second base is just, you know, I need somebody who has playing time. There's definitely more than one right way to do second base. 
We saw it this year that a lot of guys had value at the position that we weren't really necessarily expecting. Guys like Brandon Drury, guys like Andres Jimenez, Glaber Torres, uh, Jeff McNeil had a huge bounce back. Luisa Rise was a lot better than we were expecting. Uh, Tyro Estrada, Ty France, Josh Rojas, who's also eligible at second. We'll talk about him more in our third base show. But Josh Rojas is another guy. Like all these guys, even if they weren't playing second base, they have eligibility there. So Horner, uh, Jorge Mateo, Ryan McMahon, Jerkson Profar. There's a lot of guys who are eligible at second base who we saw kind of weird value from this year that we weren't necessarily expecting. Who thought Nico Horner would put together 20 steals, 10 home runs in a top 150 season and batting 280 in the process? Like, that kind of came out of nowhere. I know he's a shortstop, but you might have had him at second base all year, like I did on one of my teams, and you were very happy. There's a lot, there's a lot of different ways to go about second base, and we'll say that kind of with every position. You can go early, you can go middle, you can go late, but with second base, there are so many options that pop up out of the blue here, and maybe there's some guys that we aren't even talking about who are going to be, you know, come to life throughout the offseason, maybe Arizona Fall League or in the preseason. We'll see guys who are you know, making an A for themselves, they get on rosters, they just slide into a into a lineup, and then they end up having some kind of value. It's totally possible. There will be some wild cards. And some of what I said recently here in this last few days will turn out to be nonsense, bullshit, won't even matter. It's totally possible. That's just the, the nature of the game we play here. This is why we go through six months of shows in the offseason, just to, you know, settle down, to see exactly why things happen. Not that we've done that so much these last few days, why things happen. That'll come more later with the advanced stats, but just now looking at what exactly happened. Did these guys produce or did they not produce? Will we expect them to produce next year? That is the thesis statement of these shows. We're going to keep it going with third base tomorrow. Third base, definitely another tricky position. You could argue it's even lighter than second, I think. it's. I mean, they're, neither of them are really great. You got guys at the top like Jose Ramirez, Machado, Arenado, Devers, and then it kind of falls off a little bit. Some similar names based on eligibility who had second or who had first that we've already talked about, so we'll maybe just briefly touch on some of them, skip over them. Uh, we won't spend too much time on guys we've already talked about, maybe in slightly different contexts, but we will break down third base probably for the rest of the week, I would say, um, what I might do one day this week, I might do three third base shows and then spend one day this week going over my, my rankings, my top 50. But that, I think that makes sense. I think, uh, just talking that out here, maybe we'll do Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, we'll do third base. And then Friday I'll go over my rankings or should I go over the rankings and then go into third base? You guys tell me, let me know on Twitter what you guys want to hear first, if it even really matters. Cause I know we've got so long until games are actually being played that none of this really truly matters right now. But if you guys have a certain preference, please do let me know. If you guys want to get an early peek at those rankings, the top 25 are in the Sports Ethos Discord. If you guys are not a member already, then send me a message. We'll get you guys added up into there. Uh, it's in the baseball free section. I just popped the top 25 without any player write-ups. I just wanted to give you guys a bit of a sneak peek. And one or two little things have changed since I put that in the Discord, but that's pretty much what the top 25 is going to look like. One last announcement for you guys before I let you go. Later today, and it'll be every single Monday going forward, at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific, myself and Sports Ethos Director of Content, Steve Vidovich, are going to be hosting a live, probably half-hour to 45-minute Q&A show in terms of fantasy basketball lineup questions. Specifically, you know, your weekly sit-start questions, whatever questions you got, really. Hell, if you're in there and you want to throw a baseball question in, I'll happily answer it, but it will be a basketball 
live weekly lineup show for premium subscribers. So if you guys are not premium subs to Sports Ethos, unfortunately, you would not be able to see that. It's worth checking out, I think. I mean, I think it was worth checking out already beforehand, but now you get extra live content. And it's not just me. There's going to be a ton of YouTube stuff going on with Dan and Aaron as well this year. Not, I mean, we're just expanding all over the place, man. It's a crazy time. I got in at the right time here last year with Sports Ethos because we have just been growing a hell of a lot ever since. Not Nothing to do with me. On the basketball side, we have come a long way, and it has been a lot of fun. I'm glad that I can help them out there a little bit on the NBA side. So please do check that out at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific. We'll answer your questions. Uh, we'll answer some from Twitter. I'll put out something in the next couple hours, um, the next hour or two, putting out opposing if you guys have any questions. Um, yeah, if you don't have a premium subscription to Sports Ethos, you won't be able to see it, unfortunately. But that is you know, just another reason to go ahead and check out our passes. Go to sportsethos.com, hover over the premium tab, and there is a ton of stuff available. Basketball and football. Football is mixed in with basketball, so if you're playing fantasy NFL stuff, then you might as well get it and just you know have that information as well. Tons of articles, breakdowns, rankings, sleepers. There's a ton of stuff on the website. This is just another one more little cherry on top reason for you guys to go ahead and get yourself a fantasy pass, some kind of premium subscription over to Sports Ethos. But we'll leave the rambling alone there. I think in the back of my head, thinking about this for the last few minutes, we'll just go with third base tomorrow and we'll finish up the week with our rankings. We'll kind of bridge after first, second, and third. We'll do the rankings, do a pause, and then we'll continue with shortstop, outfield, pitching, and the rest of it. Guys, enjoy the game tonight. I'm assuming the game's still going to be going on. The Yankees, I haven't heard anything while I've been recording here. No notifications about cancellations or weather or anything like that. Assuming the game should be going on, it'll be a hell of a lot of fun. I believe Jamison Tyone, Aaron Zavalli, I think. Anyway, enough rambling. Guys, take care. We'll see you tomorrow. Cheers. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.